Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Well, welcome back to Slash and Jackson. I'm in the board. S&P futures are. I think it's kind of, kind of a nothing there this morning. Um, S&P is, I was looking, they're unchanged, in fact. <laughs> Dow Futures up 12, NASDAQ Futures down 14, so we're kind of going into holiday mode sort of earlier. Speaking of holiday mode, is Brendan in holiday mode? Brendan, how are you? I'm doing well today. Getting ready to uh, have some turkey this week. The uh, Are you going to be turkeying in Chicago or in Indiana or Michigan? We are going to be turkeying in Monkina, my uh, my. Uh, Family's hosting it, so Bill and I are going out to the kids' house for uh, for Thanksgiving dinner, and uh, and then we're going back to Michigan. We'll be in Michigan before then, and then uh, drive over to Michigan afterwards. So unfortunately, we may be in some traffic on Thanksgiving Day. Well, yeah, I don't know how bad that. I think a lot of people uh, in the airports. I mean, yesterday was like one of the biggest days already. I mean, it's like uh, people seem to get out of Dodge pretty quick. The, uh, I, don't, I don't know. The weekend should be all right, but I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for you. Yeah, and it was supposed to be really busy last week. I, I uh, had to go to New York last weekend, and I, it wasn't bad quantity. Now, the, the plane itself was packed. Every seat was filled. But the uh, the airport didn't seem to be that bad, either in LaGuardia or in O'Hare. And by the way, they've done a beautiful job of LaGuardia. I haven't been in LaGuardia in a few years, and boy, that, that new airport is fantastic. Well, they've been working on that for a while, I man. It's a really, really old airport. I mean, for God's sake. Yeah. I, I flew in there, uh, <clears throat> God, years ago when I was on the board, and they had opened up some, I don't know what airline flew in there, or they did something where opened up a spot that used to be the, the terminal for the Clipper. It was down by the water. You ever see, you ever see that place? Might be, maybe it's attached I, to the I've rest of it. I've heard of that. I don't remember seeing that. Yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of weird, <clears throat> but they, uh, I mean, the Clipper used to land in in the water and pull up, Matty. <laughs> it was a flying boat. I mean, it was a. Uh, I mean, I was long before our time, Brendan. But uh, I was think, that Pan Am that had that? Oh yeah, oh yeah. If you ever, uh, you know, I mean, you probably have long ago. We read the Winds of War. <laughs> Guy, the guys in the military are always getting around by the Clipper. I mean, mm-hmm. we go from my right. island. I mean, I don't know how long it took to get around the world, but uh, they'd stop at like every island. I mean, the thing had. Uh, those flying boats had had huge capacity to, to stay in the air. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a matter of fact, that's that's what they used to use to uh, to do all the uh, reconnaissance on the water. As a matter of fact, the flying boat was a one of our flying boats uh, before we were in the war. Is what found the Bismarck, right? Right. Which, of course, you know, nobody's supposed to know because <laughs> we weren't in the war, right? But we were out we were out flying those guys around. But they would stay up there like forever, mm-hmm. the, the Catalinas and stuff. 
But uh, hey, uh, I want to ask you a little bit about um, you know in the uh, this this Bitcoin thing. I uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious. I mean, I know, I know you're you know you're you're one of these guys that knows a lot about everything. I don't know if you're specifically a a campaign finance attorney, but I'm just I just I am kind of stunned. I mean, I, I can't put two and two together. And uh, I know when I, was on, when I was on the board of the CBOE a long time ago, we'd have a breakfast or a lunch, and if somebody was in town, we had Tom Foley, we had Phil Graham, we had all kinds of guys that would come over. Ladies, too. We had uh, Carl Mosley Braun. We had a few other... And they'd come over for breakfast, and they'd sit down, and they'd learn about uh, what... You know, they'd ask, what does what, what your business do? I mean, what is... Uh, what's key... What, what are key items for you guys? They'd learn... You know, they don't know every business. And these are pretty. I, every one of them, I thought, was a pretty intelligent guy or lady. You'd sit there and they'd ask questions, and you get. It was it took an hour and a half, and the most you could give them, like th- I think, Brendan, was either five hundred or a thousand bucks. You know, you'd give them the check from the CBOE. You know, how does how does a Bitcoin or a, a whatever these uh, FTX? I think they, those were the guys. How do they write a million dollar check to Jesse Jackson's kid? <laughs> Is it? They're not regulated. Well, but I mean, how does? But if they're not, but I mean, it's uh, they're a corporation from someplace. Um, if, yeah. if if they're a foreign corp, they're not supposed to do it at all, right? Uh, well, that's right. They're not, well, they're not supposed to influence political decisions as a foreign corporation. You're right. But uh, you know, they could. If you were if you were to sell your truck right now, they could say, "I'll give you a million dollars for that truck." Now, is your truck worth a million dollars? Uh, I'm no. going to guess not. I'm going to say no. They could, take it. they could say that we believe the fair market value of your truck because the chief drove it is a million dollars. But, I mean, this was, was fairly public. Yep. But, I mean, can you can you give to somebody's, if if Jesse Jackson's kid or anybody has a pack, can you give the money to the pack? Uh, I'm not sure about that. I, I don't think that they can because that's more politically connected. Well, but, but these people so all seem to give massive it, money to these it, people. It's weird. But remember, a lot of this goes back to Citizens United, and corporations were given the freedom to make more contributions because of free speech. Okay. But I I, I guess, I, I know they, well, I, I, I researched this a few years ago. Maybe maybe remembers better than me, but it seems like the Republicans used the PAC, or the Democrats used the foundation. There's two ways of doing this. Uh, one is a pack, and one is what the five hundred three something something, the charitable thing, or the found. And, and one side kind of gravitated to one, and one to the other. And I don't remember which was which, but it was kind of two ways around. I just, I mean, I uh, seems like if somebody wants to give somebody a million bucks, they do somehow. Yep, they figure out ways to do that. I don't know the answer to that. I'm not that well versed in campaign finance law, nor the changes that have been made in the last few years. I do know that there have been a lot of uh, attempts uh, to to limit campaign contributions and influence either from foreign governments or from corporate entities and really, for that matter, rich people uh, funding their own campaign a la Donald Trump, a la J.B. Pritzker, a la Bruce Rauner, to name but three. And uh, in, it, it's been unsuccessful. In fact, in the mayoral campaigns here, uh, you know, there are limits on how much people can accept unless a candidate gives his or her campaign $100,000, in which case the lid is off for everybody. Well, we're on that one bias again? If if somebody who gives who 100000 
No, would you would you say if somebody gives somebody a hundred thousand, then then anybody? No, no. If if a candidate, if if uh, if Willie Wilson, because he's running for mayor now and has filed uh, the applications, his signatures, uh, if he gives his campaign a hundred thousand dollars, all the limits, all the campaign limits of five thousand, seven thousand, whatever it is, I forget the exact number. But once he gives contributes to his own campaign an amount of hundred thousand dollars. It's for everybody. All right, so somewhere there's an account that says "Citizens for Wilson" that he, and that account is is what? It's a some it's just a some kind of a bank account. I mean, what's the what's the organization? It's just a. It's a. Well, he has citizens citizens for Wilson, his own campaign, his own campaign fund, and if he contributes a hundred thousand dollars to that, then the limits. The but it has to be himself. It's not like. You can contribute a hundred thousand dollars to his account, and that takes the lid off. Until he does so, until he puts that money in, and I'm picking on him just because he's done that in the past, and you know he is uh, a multi-billionaire, and he made contributions in the last couple of, you know, of election cycles. He has been the one to lift the limit. Right. So it's also been done by Bruce Rauner at the state level and by JD Pritzker at the state level. Put a lot of money into their campaign. Okay, but if and I still that money, until he uh, contributes that amount of money to himself, then he's limited to the regular campaign limits, which are like five or seven thousand dollars. I can't from an individual. All right, so if uh, all of a sudden we push we push Maddie Weber up for mayor, if I go over to Lakeside Bank and I want to, well, if somebody wants to put an account there, citizens for Weber. Given all the weird stuff that the banks have to do these days, is that an individual account? Is it a corporate account? Is it a? I mean, what, it's what is a, it? It's a corporate account. It's like a, there's a campaign a campaign fund organization that's organized under state law that is the repository of of the monies for the account, and they have to file periodic reports as to who contributes, how much they contribute, and file periodically, like quarterly. In the election, as to what they received or what they what they spent. Right. So there's a there's a specific state law corporation that's a campaign corporation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Ne- next next topic. I uh, for for the, the both of you guys from the south side. I uh, I've opened this conversation with a bunch of people on the, the Stocks and Jacks website. You guys have probably seen it. I had a big conversation with my people last night, and I am absolutely losing this. This argument, as I always do, it seems, and it's not even with Audrey, for God's sake. Um, I, I, my observations are, um, and again, everybody can send the arrows at me. The new world in college football, where to me it's very basic. Essentially, anybody's available any year to be transferred, and you get to bid for the guy. You can say Notre Dame needs a quarterback next year. By the way, Brady Quinn or somebody else is going to. Hire your ass for a hundred grand to go be, be in a catalog or some crap, and that's our that's our proposal. And you're and it is, this is going to go on every single year now, not not just from high school. Somebody's this is going to this is a full time full time job for thirty people, not thirty, but five people now. Knowing and I, my observations are just from looking at a couple of schools, and two two pop right into my mind. One is Boston College, it looks like totally in disarray, and Northwestern. I think. There's going to be some schools at that level that want no part of this and, and drop down 
either drop down or do something, and everybody's telling me the money's so big you can't do it. I, I think some people don't have a stomach for this. I, it's my observation, of, and like I said, I'm the only one who feels that way. Everybody else tells me I'm nuts, which is probably true. What do you guys think? Well, I think there's going to be an adjustment. I, I think schools, even like schools like Northwestern, will start playing the game more. And uh, I, I think that you're going to see very few who, uh, both on the coaching staff and the administration, that are going to be willing to be punching bags in a conference like the Big Ten. Um, what do you think, Daddy? Yeah, I, I, <clears throat> I, I completely agree with both of you. I think... Uh, there are some schools that that don't want any part of this, and unless they make adjustments, um, which a lot of coaches are rallying together and basically saying the rich are getting richer from this. Basically, the the the, the schools that have always cheated and did it, you know, in the dark, are now just doing it in the light. <laughs> and uh, and and the the schools that have always tried to do things the right way um, are still getting beat out, and now. Not only are they getting beat out for the high school senior, they're they're getting poached for their you know freshmen and sophomores that are developing into good players. By the time they're juniors and seniors, and they're really reaping the benefits of that, uh, they're getting poached, and those are going to the bigger programs. I think maybe it's just, in some ways it's just the opposite. I think I think it's, it's at a leveling. I mean, Memphis can go to Alabama and get their third string halfback or running back who's. Really good, and they could say, "Look, we got a hundred thousand a year for you over in Memphis." And I think I think those teams. Well, yeah, but Memphis is a school that's always been willing to cheat. Well, I just picked the name off the top of my head. But yeah. I'm saying, so the, the the percentage of schools, you know, the the Louisville's and the Memphises and the, uh, you know, I believe the SEC football programs for the most part, the Alabamas and the LSU's and the Auburns, uh, and then I think Ohio State, you know, absolutely. Uh, and I think the blue blood basketball programs, the North Carolinas and the Kansases. I mean, Kansas, their coach got indicted by the FBI. Yeah. Arizona, mm-hmm. right? We know, we all know the the guilty parties in, in both whether it's basketball or football. Um, they're they're absolutely going to keep doing what they're doing just on a bigger scale, and they're not even going to try to hide it anymore. The question is: is are the you know the the more conservative schools, I would say, like in the Big Ten, for example, the Wisconsin's and the Iowa's, and that have always kind of been, you know, good but not great because they do it. They try to do it the right way and they don't cheat. Um, are they going to start playing the game more, or are they going to continue just to do what they do? Well, I mean, I, I, I think that every one of these guys that transfers, if we're not there yet, every one of them is going to have a price tag on it. There's going to be some alumni thing you're sliding the guy they, into. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. They already do. And it's going to be interesting to see that, you know, you think back a couple of years ago when a school like Alabama had 150 players on, on their team. They had guys in double numbers because of how big their team was. And if you made the team, you had to be one of the top players in the country, even if you were a bench warmer uh, who never even you know, saw the line of day on the field. That's going to go away because you're, for example, cheap. Maybe you, know, you, you go to the third string running back in Alabama who knows he's never going to get on the field, and another school is going to be willing to pay him X number of the dollars to come back, even if it's for a year. Well, do you think Northwestern Admissions Department wants any part of this? A junior coming in, a no. sophomore coming in from someplace? I, I actually, no, and I don't think Ivy League schools do either. Actually, Maddie, I was uh, the third school I was going to mention, given the fact that they've slipped so much this year, this year is Wisconsin. Um, you, you wonder. I mean, does, does everybody? Does well, everybody? They they obviously want to play the game because they they fired their football coach three games into the season, and the guys like the second winningest coach in in schools in the school history. Yeah, 
Yeah, and they had to pay a big price for that and too. They, and they were willing to a couple of weeks. They would have they would pay them a lot less. <laughs> yeah, they were willing to 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 eat millions and millions of dollars to do that. So, you know, yeah, they may have fallen behind, um, but they're but they're absolutely going to play the game. Well, I, I, what I'm saying is, I don't I don't know that the administrations and even the athletic departments and some of the alumni, maybe some of the alumni, I don't know that they are. I, I'm just getting my hands around it, and what I'm seeing from the stuff that's going on at Notre Dame and some of these other places. I don't think half these people even understand where the hell they're going. I mean, you you they can, you, you, new, you can new. and they and to Manny's point, there have been schools that have been doing this for eons. And uh, now that it's more open. open, there are going to be more schools trying to catch up to the Alabamas, to the Kentuckys in basketball, you know, to the to the Kansas in basketball. Uh, yeah, but it's what and, it's, and it, it's going to be interesting. So the school, there are schools that have always done it for high school seniors. Now. You know, beginning what three or four years ago, they started doing it for anyone that was eligible to transfer. Now, mm-hmm. everyone is eligible to transfer without without having to sit out a year. Second time you got to sit out, right? The second time you have to sit out a year, but now everyone is a free agent for at least one time, right? Where you don't have to sit out at all, and so everyone and the, and then NIL becomes legal, and so now literally every player on every roster has a price tag on them. Well, again, what I'm what I'm trying to get here clumsily as usual. You can't fire the Wisconsin coach. It, well, you can if, if if he doesn't have this this army behind him. Where if he lost six players and can't get six because he's got no, nothing to offer, you can blame the coach all you want, but you might as well be pissing in the wind for God's sake with that. Yeah. I mean, if you're not the, the other phenomenon, while we have both of you sports guys, is I looked at. Uh, since I was in way back in the day, the 73 Sugar Bowl was in the Tulane Stadium. God, what a creaky place that was. And then they, I don't know if the thing got condemned or the rats ate it or what, but they spent, they they were 39 years in the Dome, right? Well, now they've got their own stadium. And they put up a stadium, and I was looking at it, and I go, wait a minute, this is kind of weird. The place only holds 30,000, of which 4,500 are premium seats. And now... Look what's going on up at Ryan Field. They're what talking about thirty five thousand. I'll bet like five thousand of those are going to be. Pre- is, it, is this the new day? We don't we don't care if the schmucks show up. We just want the people paying big big dough. I wouldn't say that's new. That started what twenty years ago. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, it, the Irish did that what ten years ago. But they but they but they, they added thirty thousand regular seats. Well, yeah, but if you did it today. You wouldn't do that. You just run the thing with a couple things of skyboxes and say that's it. All the stadiums are, are adding skyboxes, adding premium seats, premium sections. Um, absolutely, that's I, I get that started ten or fifteen years. And charging ago. the license fee for the for the premium right. seats. Right, well, Bears have been charging seat licenses for a long well, time. Well, that, that that part I get. I'm saying that the the rest of the stadium being so much smaller, like we don't care about those people. We're just I'm saying that what I'm trying to communicate here is the ratio. Of of uh, one premium seat to five others, in the Irish store, for what a hundred to one, the regular seats versus the few skyboxes they have, right? Are they? Yeah, they don't have any other premium sections. No. Well, they might be. I don't think so. I'm willing to bet they do, but it, it's still. I think they got something right under the right under the Northwestern can't can't draw more than thirty thousand. Okay, people. maybe Tulane's the same way, but uh, yeah. I just thought thirty thousand for a brand new college stadium was a little light. I mean, Tulane, I doubt they can draw ten thousand. Really? Okay. I mean, I, I mean, how I, many I, kids I, go to school there? I don't even know. 
I don't know. I'd, I'd have to look. Well, Michigan puts in 100 for 106. Right. Well, Michigan's well, yeah, that's a little right. But Northwestern fills the stadium when they play Michigan or when they play Illinois. Yeah, when well, they play yeah. Ohio State. When, they don't do it the other times. Northwestern, if they when they have a Big Ten home game, it's it's about two thirds the the away team and fans. Yeah, well, it's, well, that's what I'm saying. I, did, I don't know where the hell they're all going with this whole mess, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm real curious. Uh, Tulane enrollment is 14.6. All right, so that's why they don't. That's pretty, I mean, that's bigger than I thought it was going to be, 14,600. Yeah, I thought they were sort of like the Irish, 8,000 or something, but 14.6 is pretty big. Yeah. Well, I just wonder where this, where this is all kind of heading. I, um, have you ever seen another industry, Brennan, that is essentially designed where other people pay your employees rather than you? <laughs> I know there are a lot of businesses that like that idea. Yeah, I, uh, I just we got a few minutes. Why don't you guys shoot out ten years? What's this all going to look like? I think it's going to be pretty much like uh, like professional sports. You're going to see some players that um, are somehow locked into a school, like an Ohio State or an LSU. And there's going to be a, and one difference between professional sports and college sports is there's a limited amount of time that the players can play because of NCAA restrictions, whether it's four, five, six years maximum, or they're going to get tired that they want to move to the next level and presumably they're going to make even more money than they are in college. But, I mean, it's no joke that it was, you know, for players like, um, uh, like Herschel Walker in Georgia, he wanted to go to the pros because he's going to have to take a pay cut. Well, I, mean, I think going to see a lot of that in the in the future. That at college level, uh, it, it, their budgets, are, their athletic budgets, are going to go through the roof, and they're going to have to start offloading it to booster groups. Did you uh, see? Uh, my thought is, I think in America, you should be able to make money if someone's willing to pay pay you, and I don't care who's paying you. If if so, if you have some sort of skill or value of any kind, and it's not breaking any law. You should be able to make money, so I have no problem with that. But for the well, I agree with you. I, I agree with you, but except for the point of if it doesn't break a law, and if I'm the, the rulemaker, if I'm the lawmaker in Louisiana or in Illinois or in New York, I can make the rules so that what you're doing as a college coach breaks the law. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you're probably right, but I, I really don't have a problem if um, you know the the local car dealerships and and whomever else pool money together and say. Hey, we want to pay these kids because we enjoy going to the games, and everyone else is making money off of them. So let's get them some money. I got no problem with that. Well, what the well, problem? I agree, I, with, I agree with that completely. When you look at the the abuses of the NCAA and what they did for years and years, where the guys in their you know their plaid jackets at the bowl time are making oodles of money, and the administration is making oodles of money, and the and the guys who are getting hurt on the field, putting their body on the line, right. aren't getting a thing or that they're prohibited from uh, engaging in other activities outside of their sport because they're amateurs and student athletes. That whole approach was wrong. And when, when you look at the disparity of what the college coaches are getting, what the, what the administration is getting, what the boosters are able to give, uh, I agree with you completely that the players should be, played, should be paid whatever they can get. Well, do you, do so you know what, what, I, what I would fix, what, all I would change is, is two things. Either one, everyone, you can transfer all you want, but you have to sit out a year every time. So that way, you really are thinking about: is, do I re- am I really transferring because I, I want to go to a different school for the right reasons, or am I just mm-hmm. every year just going to put myself out there and whoever pays me the most, then I'm going to go? You either do that, so th- that that would probably fix it, or you say you can transfer all you want, but you're ineligible for NIL money for one year, mm-hmm. something like that. Now, I don't like the second one as much, um, but uh, but 
that would fix it because right now, like Chief said, everyone is just has a price tag on them. Yeah, <laughs> and and uh, so every year, if you're a coach, you recruit a guy, and this is just for competitive balance because I enjoy watching college basketball and college football. You know, it's it, it stinks if you if you recruit a guy at a high school because you saw something that no one else saw. And then he, he, you know, maybe red shirts his first year and then maybe, you know, plays a little bit as a red shirt freshman and then a little bit more as a red shirt sophomore. And then all of a sudden has a breakout year as a junior and you're getting sort of the return on your investment. And then, and then John Calipari comes calling and it's like, oh, you're good now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you're coming to Kentucky. We're going to give you a million bucks. Well, why, it's why, like, what the hell? But I, I, why am I hung up on the fact that if, you, if you're going to work for Saxon Jacks or, or PTI, I want to pay you. I don't want the restaurant guy down the block paying you. Why do you care what the restaurant guy does? Well, I'm saying you're supposed to be... My, name me another business where you, you see that kind of a setup, where the guy, the guy who sent, handed the guy 100 grand, he's supposed to be working for me, doing what I tell him what to do. I mean, it's, it's just a weird setup. Well, I agree with you there. I would have, I, I would have no problem if the schools were, were required to just to pay the kids directly. Well, and, and no one else could contribute. I'd have no problem with that. So if I give money to the restaurant guy down the street, is that tax deductible? I would say that sucks if it is. I mean, what what is that organization exactly? Is my is my question? Yeah, that's about well, my. Well, that gets into an interesting question, Chief, about who's paying who yeah. in your scenario. Um, when I think about professionals, whether they're lawyers or accountants, uh, even if they're within a big firm, they have a client base. And if the clients that are paying them, it's not because of the product that a law firm provides. It's what that lawyer and uh, working with him and in his asylum provide. And it is the, the clients that are paying them and go to the to the big firm. And if there are conflicts, that guy can often leave to go to another firm or he can start his own firm. Well, he can, so he, it, he can do that. It's uncertain in the professional bullets that he's paying for, for the services. But for that day that you're in court, I'm writing a check to... To Brendan and Associates, I'm not writing Matt Weber the check specifically and correctly. Correct, and he also has. That's true. I mean, the insurance is is with Brendan and Associates. The the staff, the all the all the people helping out are. Yeah, the guy can leave, but it's 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 clear that he's working for that firm at least on that day. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I just I mean it's, it's a. Oh, I said earlier, it's a work in process. I'm not. I'm not trying to. It's just. It's just kind of weird. No, it, it is a work in process, and it's going to evolve over the next uh, five, ten, twenty years. And the the other thing that I don't like about this idea is, and you know, this is kind of a throwback to the idea of watching teams when we were growing up, that you knew who was going to be on your college team for four years. Yep. Uh, and and you knew that it was going to be a cohesive behavior, and you could see them. Advance over four years with the expectations. Is in many states, by the time a guy gets to be a senior, the time into the rough that the coach saw is uh, is a senior, you're going to get the benefit of that with team play. If you get to the situation, which I think is not very far fetched, that uh, every year every team in college has a different composition, and potentially a player uh, it will be one of two things: like a basketball player, it'll either be one and done, and he goes to the pros. Or if he does stick around for four or five years, or like right now, six years, because of the COVID exemption, then he plays on five or six different teams. And his teammates are five or six. It's like putting together a traveling all-star team every year yeah. every college team. I would add, um, and some people are starting to write in this as well, so I'm not saying I, I'm coming up with this completely, but you could argue anyone that is a quote-unquote celebrity gets paid for their name, image, and likeness. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So golfers, you know, yeah, they get paid for their their by the PGA for their golf tournament, but they also have dozens and dozens of sponsors that pay them to do things. Uh, on the, you know, and it's really no different than that. Same with NASCAR drivers. Same with any professional athletes. Um, yeah, but, but same with celebrities. Lover. Same with same with anyone. I mean, you know, you're you're a celebrity. You're getting paid by the movie studio that you work for, but you're also getting paid by uh, dozens and dozens of other you know sponsors and, and things like that. Well, but your professional golfer is on his own at the tournament. He's not. He's not Arizona State. Okay. He, what about an NBA player who plays for the Bulls? Zach Zach Levine gets paid by twelve other companies, Nike and and uh, all the local sponsorships that he does, and and everything else. I I, I, I get it's that. Really, no different. Well, it's a lot different. Well, I, I it it, it, it I, how is it different at all? It's, I don't it's think a it's huge different because he is paid by the Bulls. Right now, he could be so a golfer is not necessarily paid by anyone in particular. I'm saying he's he, well, a golfer is paid by himself. He's a, he's he's the only person in golf that's a sole pro, or in sports is a sole prop. What about a NASCAR team? Uh, they they have sponsors. I, I, I'm with you, but I'm saying it is different. It, 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 I, I, it's an, different. Athlete, an athlete in college can be paid by different boosters: the car dealership, the insurance guy. Uh, it, it's I I don't think there's very much difference between the, the number of sponsorships it gets, whether you couch it in uh, name, image, and likeness, or uh, sponsorship money, or whatever. However, I, I it sounds like you just want the schools to pony up money. No, no. Too, what I'm saying is, which I don't disagree well, with. Is, is, is I don't want the coach. I mean, I, it's not that I don't want or I don't. I mean, I, I don't want Mike Bray going to grab a guy from you know Sidewash State and say I can direct you hundred thousand dollars of Matt Weber's car wash money. I, that that does not happen in the NFL or or the NBA. You got to go get it yourself, your agent. The Bulls don't say, "By the way, we're paying you twenty million, and we're going to get you to Nike sponsor." At least I don't think they do. Uh, I I bet I bet there's some of that going on with well, okay, but the Lakers. I, I'll, I'll half say this, of their recruiting tool is you're going to be in Hollywood, and you're well, going to access get that all part. this stuff. I, I understand, but I, I get the part. Why where do you I, think people hire Scott Boris? Right? I, I get the, what I'm saying is just because our listeners can find somebody else who cheats even more, it doesn't make it right. Okay, when, if you're talking about ethics and morality, we're talking going down a whole different path. And, uh, <laughs> well, uh, most of what we've already mm-hmm. said can be either dismissed or denied or changed because of that. Well, I, mean, yeah, I don't think anyone's disagreeing with you on the moral part. Well, I just, I, I just want the definitions. I, I don't want my contribution to the car dealership to be tax deductible. Do people think that's okay? I don't. I want no. the kids to pay taxes on what they're getting. Are they going to? It's not like tuition. Don't they have to? I. <laughs> I bet some of them, three years from now, we're going to find in tax court because they didn't. Well, I, that might be true, but I'm sure that they do have to. Well, anyway, SB Futures up 8 now, NASDAQ is up 14. Be right back, Mr. Joel and Kyle. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. 
don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Stocks, jocks, Stocks jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now. Hello, welcome to Station Jacks. I'm Tom Amos, man. We're on the board. SP Futures up nine. Is it Futures up sixteen? Man, I love it when you're here. We get to fo- we get to talk more about sports. Uh, yeah, and then we have Michigan Ohio State Week with Joel yeah. coming up too. So that's Joel, Joel is lucky as hell that they kicked that field goal, or they wouldn't be any Michigan Ohio State Week against Illinois. Well, they'd still have the week. It it's wouldn't true. matter as much. Wouldn't matter as much. <laughs> Dow up seventy over in Europe. We've got uh, Dax up ten. Call that flat. Footsie up forty four point six percent. Kick around down to call that flitz. Wait, kind of sounds like a Thanksgiving week, doesn't it, maybe? Uh, Nikkei up 170.6%. These guys are, they were unchanged yesterday. Shanghai up three. Get a little of this, though. This Hang Seng down 231. It's 1.3%. So they got down to 14.5, bounced back to 18.5, and now they're rocketing down every day. They're back under 17.5. I don't think they're going to go 14.5, but uh, again, they're down 2% on these COVID fears. They got how many? 220, 100,000 people got it in one city or something, maybe? Some bizarre number. Uh, yesterday, Dow was down 45, S&P down 15. Nasdaq was down huge, down 121. That's 1.1% on a holiday week. That's a pretty di- big day. Uh, Ten-year, 3.79. Uh, the Bund, uh, 2.00. They're up to uh, Japan unchanged at 0.24. Oil, this, this is the mover today. It's up a buck, 81.06. It's back up over 80. A dollar, that's a 1.27%. Brent up a dollar 18. 88.63. Natural gas down 21 cents, 6.56. Our Bob up six cents, two fifty. Gold uh, down up nine bucks, seventeen forty-eight. Silver up forty-one cents, twenty-one twenty-eight. I assume we're going to find the dollar is, is down this morning. Uh, copper up six cents, three sixty-three. We've got Bitcoin not only down twenty-nine bucks, but fifteen thousand seven sixty-nine. Fifteen thousand is kind of the danger zone for this. And the U.S. dollar, just as we thought, is down a little bit as the euro is up to one point zero three, and the pound is up one point one eight to the dollar. Maybe what do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? 38 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. Uh, relatively light traffic here on Thanksgiving week. A lot of folks obviously off work and school this week, but we do have one crash in the area that's causing some delays, and that's it if you're heading on the outbound Dan Ryan. Uh, just before the I-57 Bishop Ford merge there, uh, we have a crash that's causing uh, significant uh, traffic delays on the outbound side on the Ryan. Uh, no issues on the inbound side. Traffic's starting to build a little bit on the Stevenson and Eisenhower, but looking good. Same for the Kennedy and Edens. DuSable Lakeshore Drive is quiet in both directions. Weather today, a beautiful fall day today. Sunshine with a high of 50. Tomorrow it'll hit 55, but today sunny, a high of 50. Right now it's clear and 30 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, partly cloudy skies with a high of 73. Right now it's clear and 48. In sports, the Bulls with a big win last night at the United Center, snapping the Celtics' nine-game winning streak and beating Boston 121-107. to Suns were off last night. Uh, in hockey, Blackhawks were off. They're at the Dallas Stars tomorrow night. Coyotes played. They lost to the Predators 4-3. The uh, World Cup uh, got underway yesterday, and uh, USA scored a goal in the first half but gave up a penalty in the second and ended up tying Wales 1-1. In their first game, they'll play uh, England, I believe, on Friday uh, in their next pool matchup. NFL news, uh, the Bears uh, announced that Justin Fields is day-to-day with a left shoulder injury that we all witnessed uh, in Atlanta last week. 
Uh, we'll find out, I guess, uh, as the weekend approaches, whether or not he's going to play on Sunday. Monday Night Football last night, it was the 49ers blowing out the Arizona Cardinals down in Mexico, 38-10. to Chief. The immortal words of Vin Scully, he is like the rest of us, day-to-day. That's right. Joel, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good, Chief. Uh, I will say that that Michigan-Illinois game, I I don't know if I can make it the coldest game I've ever been to because there was a Michigan Ohio State game in uh, in 1997 where there was snow, uh, but the minus eight wind chill uh, puts it up there in the top two or three, and just hats off to my daughter Dana. Uh, unbelievable! She went to the game with me, stuck it out the whole game, and uh, all the action, all that field goal, the last three field goals, all in our end. So. Uh, Illinois put up a good fight, but on to the Buckeyes, and man, I hate to I hate to be the excuse kind of guy, but holy mackerel, we are so banged up. We are so banged up at running back Blake Corum, potential Heisman Trophy winner. Then our second string running back is out too. Um, our second string tight end, who, who took over for a guy who was going to be a potential uh, All American. Uh, it's just we're banged up, but you know what? You got to play the game, Chief. You got to play the game. Are these guys? Uh, they all get banged up in games, and and they're up for they can't, they're not going to play this week or they're toast. Yeah, uh, it's um, it's just uh, it's just it, it, Harbaugh doesn't say anything. You know, he, you don't know, you don't know. I mean, he, they say they're going to be back, but man, he got hurt right in front of us. He grabbed his knee. Uh, you know, you, you could see. You could see that he was severely injured. Oh, that's no good. Nah, very... Um, it, it, it is who it is. I mean, that's football. I mean, you know, that, that's a game. It's, it's a brutal game. And I, I, I guess that, you know, you can't use excuses. We're going to have to get some kind of passing game. It's going to be in the horseshoe, which is, you know, one of the toughest places in the world to play. Uh, big rivalry, nine point underdogs. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's just see what happens. You got to play the game, Chief. I, I, I will. I'm going to try and maintain my optimism, uh, but with our first and second string running backs out, it's kind of hard to. Well, the uh, I don't know, maybe if you're if you're watching the ticker here this morning, isn't isn't, isn't Iran, Saudi Arabia, or somebody beating Argentina be the biggest upset in the history of soccer or something? If that were to happen. Yeah, that would be huge. well because it was that's what they were right before I picked you up. That's what they were saying on the air that they were winning. Why don't you check and see what that score is? That, that'd be wild. Think Saudi Arabia uh, paid off the ref? Just saying. <laughs> what do you guys think? One of my guys shipped me a picture of all the Budweiser beer that's in the warehouse there. They now can't sell. <laughs> what do you suppose the what, what? the the the, 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 the uh, behind the scenes story is on that, Joel? What's the behind-the-scenes story? Two days before, they got all the, all the beer there, and now they tell them they can't sell it? Because they're worried about the behavior. I mean, could it be anything else than that? I don't know. I mean, it was in the stadium. There weren't going to be no advertisement, but if you saw a guy with a beer, you had to say, hey, buddy, where'd you get the beer? And he had to point you over to the place. It was just going to be in hotels and in the stadium. I, well, first they said yes, and then uh, <laughs> they said no. Who's going to get all that beer? <laughs> God. Anyway, what uh, what do you make of this market? What do you what do you think of uh, now? We have two congressional investigations going down on the on the FTX and uh, 
Oh, man. I'm so tired. I mean, did you hear the Bob Iger's leaving Disney? I don't know if you, if you heard that yet. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Like well, the, Sunday uh, night, the stock was well. He's going to Disney. That, that's breaking news. Uh, you know, Chief, this crypto thing, you know, I, I just try and look at it, you know, from a technical basis, from the charts, because there are no fundamentals, yeah. uh, at least that I can see. And you had you had a break of a clear break of eighteen thousand, right? That was the recent low of the move. And until the bulls can get it back above there, I think it's just gonna it's gonna sit at one level and then it's gonna drop a couple thousand bucks. And then he's gonna sit at the next level and then he's gonna drop a couple thousand bucks. And I just think I don't I'm not saying it's going to zero, I'm not saying it's going to ten thousand. Uh, uh technically I mean, it, all these people need to get repaid. I mean, and think about it cheap. Like, what what was the problem in the market in in twenty two? It was it was uh, overvalued companies, yep, right? Yep. Uh, poor fundamentals. Uh, well, what, what what is Bitcoin? What are the fundamentals of Bitcoin? An alternative to uh, central banks? Well, I'm okay to that. But isn't it supposed to keep? You know, you're supposed to be safe. Your money's safe with Bitcoin. You know, it's it's safe from the establishment. So that's one of the primary reasons when I want, you know, I got my money in a brokerage. I want my money. I can get my money. Yeah. Um, and now it's just, and how do they call it stable coin? I mean, it should be unstable coin. So, you know, I and, you know, down in my heart, I, I feel bad for a lot of people. Because a lot of people, um, you know, drank the Kool-Aid. A lot of people lost a lot of money. And I don't know if they're ever going to get it back. I, I'm going to um, say they're not going to get it done. They're not going to get it done. Yeah, they're not. And, and, and that's sad. I mean, investing is, is difficult enough. Uh, and then when you have these kind of things happen. The only way, uh, the only way know, I think you could... Uh, um, the, the more that comes out on it, just the worse and worse it, it, it looks. So, yeah, people say institutions, uh, you know, the whales. The whales are coming in, they, you know, to do this. Well, you know what? I think the whales are short. I think they're just short because they know retail continues to buy. Uh, they use futures as leverage uh, to, um, you know, to get short. And it's just a sad state of affairs. I, I, I wish I, I wish it wasn't that way. Like I said, um, I feel sorry for all the people that lost money. It wasn't going to lose money in the stock market. Uh, but it's another reason just to have it just pulled out. Well, I mean, you, 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 right it's always people. Yeah. It's always people. Orange County, California, Harris County, Texas, Bernie Madoff. It's always everybody's making four percent, and somebody's making twelve. They've got an angle. They've got something, and and they've got a pigeon. And it turns out the pigeon is you. Every single time, doesn't it? It's just the way this one, though. And I mean, you know, Madoff went on for a long time. There's been other things, but. The way this FTX, I mean, you know, I, I've made some bad moves in my investing and trading and everything like that, but to lose $14 billion overnight, I mean, well, that, that, that's pretty quick. Joel, you know, that's hard to do. Long-term capital management, you can go back and use different things, and, you know, you can look at, you know, the real estate credit. I mean, you can look at all these different things, and with those things, you're like, okay, well, you know, this could be a tipping point, right? This could, you know, yeah. this could be a complete washout, and this could be the absolute bargain. I don't know; th- those other things had fundamentals, and um, Joel, I, I, I struggle I, with the I will, I'm going to say that I did not predict this—the enormity of it. But many a time, I'm driving to pick up Mr. Weber in the morning, I'm sitting there going, 
Okay, wait a minute. If somebody buys a thousand shares from IBM at PTI, and we have two clearing firms, say RBC or IB, RBC, we can lend that person 50% of the money, we, they, and uh, if they have to, they can take the IBM and go to the bank, and they can get, this is all spelled out by the Federal Reserve and everybody else, bank and loan them 50% on the IBM stock, and this is where you get the dough. All of a sudden, I see this FTX loaning people money for this stuff. And oh, by the way, if some other firm goes out of business, the guy seems to have money to pay for it. And he paid $190 million to baseball, or I don't know if he gave him a check, but for five years. I'm thinking, where is all this money coming? It can't be coming from somewhere. The number is just too big. I didn't think, I mean, I didn't know he was doing this. But all he had to do was take a look at the place and say, wait a minute, something's wrong here. You know, it, it was like every other treasurer in the country making 5%, and a guy in Orange County is making 15 w- What's he doing? Right? I mean, I don't know the answer, but the question was, was, was dangling in the air, wasn't it? Sure was, Chief. And it's, uh, it's a sad state of affairs. Just I'll, I'll wrap up with the market here. Uh, we're, we're tight. It's holiday trading. Yep. I don't know about a Turkey Day rally. Uh, I, you know, I like the rally off 3,500. I, it, I'd really like to see us clear 4,000 in the S&P. You know, I'll get it. We got above there a few times last week. We couldn't hold. Uh, if we could get above there, and I'm just not talking about one or two closes above there, but establish a base of about uh, 4,000, I think we can rally into the end of the year. Uh, if not, if the bears can keep it under 4K, I don't think there's a ton of downside into the end of the year. Uh, but uh, you could be going into some holiday markets here, but really like to see us clear 4K on the upside. I would agree. Have a nice Thanksgiving, bud. Maddie, we want to yeah, go, go blue. You want to go straight to Kenny? Yeah, the uh, unfortunately the simian froze, so I can't play a commercial right now. So just uh, well, hang how about the commercials? Is that right, the Kenny? The yeah. uh, S&P futures up nine. S&P futures up nine and a quarter, and as futures up sixteen fifty. So we're trying to rally here. Everything is kind of up. We've got gold up. We've got oil up. We, all that stuff is moving us up to the upside today. So there isn't any real clunker here that uh, we can point to. Even the Bitcoin's only down fifteen bucks now. It was down a couple hundred earlier. So maybe it's a uh, it's gonna it's gonna find some kind of a level here at, at fifteen seven. We'll see. I, I I think that there's some people here that still have margin issues. Whenever you talk about margin and, and you don't you don't know what the margin number is, like I said in the, in the securities business, it's real simple. We can lend you fifty percent on an initial stack purchase, and you don't have to come up with margin until your percentage is only thirty percent. So there's a sliding scale there. It, it helps people out a lot if they buy something that slides the next day. You don't have to send us another check. I'm not encouraging that to anybody. Matter of fact, we don't do hardly any of that business. Uh, but a lot of people that that is their business. They make money on in the interest, but we don't we don't really do that. Kenny, how are you, bud? I'm good, sir. How are you? All right, I heard Happy Thanksgiving. You too. And I, uh, somebody told me they saw you on uh, Fox the other day, and you were spectacular. <laughs> yeah, I was there. I was in New York last week. I spent the first three hours with Maria on her show. Which great they had uh at the end they had chef david burke come in with a whole you know display of thanksgiving dishes and food and and desserts and it was yeah it was great i, I had a really fun time Wait, now did you did you tell him where he was going wrong yeah <laughs> <laughs> i put his apple pie milkshake in my morning blog this morning i thought that was perfect oh god i got it i got the rest before i put it right in my blog this morning so you can catch it there that's uh Remember, there's only like one Irish dish that I remember. My my aunt, in wherever county we came from, I think it was County Clare, I think the deal was you had roast goose and potato dressing on New Year's Day. 
I can't yeah. I can't find the recipe for potato dressing any well there's a couple on there but I, I don't I don't think anybody but makes that anymore why would you I guess I don't know but I don't even know what potato dressing is well I, it's been a long time <laughs> since, <laughs> since I had it but uh, you, you essentially put uh, potatoes in with the breadcrumbs or, or yeah, yeah. that stuff so it's like half and half you know it's probably fine I mean I, I thought it was pretty good when I had it I don't I remember uh, carving right. the goose there's not a whole lot of meat on the goose right. But uh, anyway, those guys, they're a little gamey. But uh, so, what? What do you a make? Goose of, is something we've never had. We've never had goose on uh, on these. It's interesting because a lot of people do that. Yeah. I just never done it. I, I don't. I don't uh, know how to. I don't really know how to cook. There's a, there's a French place here in Chicago that I never had it, but they used to bring out the duck, and it smelled awful good. But I think you really got to know what you're doing to cook that stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Otherwise, it could be a little a little gamey and greasy. I, I think. But, but anyway, what yeah. the? What do you make of this? What's I'm, just, I'm reading the headline here. Bitcoin hits two-year low is fourteen one point four trillion wiped off the crypto market. Kenny, is there? Are, there, are, yeah. we, are we slowly pulling s- s- legs out of the st- out of the uh, stool, legs out of the the chair here, and we're going to go down, or what are we doing here? Well, I, I think we are, but I will also say this: you know, the the issue with FTX uh, is the is just the fact that Sam Bankman fraud is a fraud, right? He yeah. was a fraud. Everyone that worked with him was a fraud. They all knew it was a fraud, and so. That's one thing, but that's separate from the, defined, the decentralized finance industry and and the future of blockchain and cryptocurrencies. Right? One is not one is not necessarily related to the other. Although it felt like it at first, we saw the collapse in cryptos and all that stuff as a result of FTX. But I think when the story comes out, what what the story is really going to be about is is what a fraud he was and what he did with the money. I think the biggest story, quite honestly, is all those asset managers you know did obviously zero due diligence or. Did they even have any idea what was going on at that place after they gave them all kinds of money? I think that's even the bigger part of the story. But yes, to your point, then I think there's going to be some pullback in in, in the crypt in the DeFi world and cryptocurrency and blockchain. I think some of that's just natural. But I don't think this signals the end of that industry at all. It might it might certainly encourage much more regulation um, and much more yeah, oversight what, what, because that was another thing. All right, was, quick was, question: Where were the auditors during all that? How could they transfer all that money? Give all that money away, and no, there were no red flags. Nobody saw anything. Um, well, which quick, I think is you quick, know, that's the much bigger story. All right, quick question: When you have an industry that essentially whatever it's designed to do, but I'm going to say a big part of it is people are pissed off and don't trust countries yep. countries in fiat currency. Yeah, correct. So we want something outside of that group that is essentially unregulated by any of these countries because we think they're all crooks and they're screwing with their own currency. Well, how, if you add Regulation to the mix. What's the point of it? Well, what you I think I think at this point the regulation you're adding is to the exchange. Like FTX was the exchange, right? It wasn't necessarily regulating Bitcoin per se. It's regulating the, that that company, that exchange, and how they manage it. I think that's a different conversation about regulation. Now that doesn't mean they shouldn't regulate Bitcoin. Someone, I guess, needs to kind of pay attention. To what's well, going but that's on the Bitcoin whole point, though. The, 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 whole, the whole point is that someone doesn't have to. That doesn't have to. Yeah, no, I know. But which is why I think you're going to see, like the Fed, I think is quite honestly, is going to come out with their own digital currency. It's going to be a U.S. uh, digital currency, and the Fed's going to be able to keep track of every single dime or or currency that you have, where it's it's held, how you spend it, who you give it to. It's about control, and I think that's ultimately what's going to happen with the digital currency. Is that that a good thing? I don't, I don't want them with that power. No, I don't. I don't want that. That's you know, that's living in that's living in communist China because that's what they do, right? They watch everything you do. They know exactly where you go. 
Um, the fact that, the, honestly, the fact that they can control their people with you know, all these COVID mandates and the minute two people die, they shut the whole country down again and everybody goes in their apartments and nobody leaves. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me that they have that much control, but that's what it would be like. And so, no, I'm not advocating for that at all, but I do think that that's where it's going to end up going at some point. Maybe not in my lifetime. I mean, maybe towards the end of my lifetime, but um, no, am I advocating for that? Absolutely not. I don't, uh, I, several things. One is I wonder, definitely a question I wanted to ask you is, Obviously, the, the people I listen to on, on CNBC most of the day, and uh, they're all well, they're, they're all either touts for the market or they're younger. They, do they honestly think that a, a full bore recession is like, you know, especially one of the you know the, the, the people that are commentators? Well, this week is it over? No, it's 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 not going to be over. <laughs> I mean, no, see, you and I, that's that's the benefit that people like you and I bring to the table because you're right. Is Two generations of people that have absolutely zero clue what's coming down the line in terms of rate hikes, in terms of economic difficulties, because all they've known, think about this, they started slashing rates in the Great Financial Crisis in 2007, 8, and 9, right? Yeah. That's already 13 years ago. Yep. And that they kept rates at zero, they kept stimulating the economy, they kept buying bonds, they've got an inflated balance sheet. And so when we start to get out of this, you and I at least have some sense of what it was like in 79 and 80 and 81 when... You know, when inflation spun out of control and unemployment was running at 10% and, and uh, inflation was at 13.9% and interest rates were at 22%. You and I remember that. And there's a whole bunch of us that do remember that, which is why it's interesting to hear these, you know, 30-year-olds go, oh, oh, this time it's different. You guys don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, okay, great. Let's run with that. Kenny, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say if you and I, let's say if anybody invited us to Camp David, that's not going to happen. If you, if you and I got, got stuck in a room at uh, some university someplace and they gave us some research people, because I don't know how to do research anymore. I'm going to say that we could come out with a, with a serious paper that the, the inflation this time is tremendously worse than it was in the late yeah. 70s and 80s. Not, not, not the inflation rate that the, the they're talking about. I think the inflation right. rate might... I think the this has been a 20-year phenomenon to where yeah. if, if you look at people's ability in 1982 to... Spend a hospital night and pay for it themselves, to buy a car and pay for it themselves, to go to college and not have to get a loan. The difference in price level for the average American, it's not even on the same planet as it is now. It, the, yeah, agreed. We don't really have right. I, I don't believe right now we have an inflation problem. We have a twenty-year price level problem that eighty percent of your population can't deal with. Can't well, does it, right? They can't deal with it. They don't understand it. But that's going to be the hard lesson. You know, over in my in my mind, you know, in 2023, I don't think it's going to be much easier. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm calling it for complete collapse in the system. I just don't think, I think it's going to continue to be difficult as rates go higher. Look, Jimmy Bullard, he put it out there in the public square on last Friday when he came out and said that the terminal rate could be anywhere between 5 and 7%. Now, does he want it to go to 7 No, but he put it out there, so now it's in the public square that the terminal rate you know, that, that the range in the terminal rate now went from 5 to 5 and a quarter to 5 to 7 percent. And then they can say, if they can't control inflation and they keep pushing it up, they can say, well, what are you talking about? We, we told you that this was, you know, part of the conversation, that we could push rates as high as 7 percent, which I think they're going to have to anyway, because you and I both know, in order, if they really want to kill inflation, they're going to bring the Fed fund rate higher than what the rate of inflation well, I, is in order to kill it. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm not really having any luck with anybody, Kenny, but... Uh, 
I thought maybe I'd have some luck with you. I, I think there's two, there's two separate problems. There's there's one the quote inflation rate. You know when you're storing things up a little bit, that the Fed can can, can deal with by going to six or seven percent if they right. have to. What I'm talking about is I, I I don't know how I stumbled across this the other day, but it was horrifying. Ten years ago, I was looking at what the average cost in a hospital for various diseases by the time they fixed you threw you out. So some yeah. of it was two nights stay, some was three nights stay, whatever it was, and it, they were they were running between ten and fifteen thousand bucks. Yeah. Well, now yeah. one night stay is eleven. So I don't see they could take these rates wherever they want, and the cost of a night stay in a hospital is not going to go from eleven back to five or three or two or it ought to be. Right. It's, Correct. It's, I mean, and everybody's idea is well, it's all ins- it's all insured. I mean, Carl, if you listen to him on Friday, is always yeah. talking about yeah. it keeps we. The twenty percent of the economy is hospital is is healthcare, and it, it's these drugs and it's these hospitals. They all they're all charging way the hell too much. They 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 they're like a tick on a dog with every senator and representative. We can't afford it. That the government, the the Medicare and Medicaid piece of the social social security, I guess, is okay pretty much. The Medicare and Medicaid piece, and even though they get the world's best deal, they're burying and the rest of the rest of society cannot deal with this. And I don't see how a, a car is not going to go back from fifty thousand to twenty, even if That's they right. even if they no. or a university is not going to go from seventy five back to forty where it ought to be. So I don't know how you nope. I don't know how you deal with that at all. Do you have, do you have a, a thirty second suggestion? How do you even go about yeah, fixing that? I, no, I, I don't know how that's going to happen. Right? I, I don't know how that's going to happen. It's going to be very interesting to see because those are the prices that are entrenched. Right? Yeah. Those aren't going to go down, and, and the wages aren't going to go down either. Once you start giving wage increases, what do you do? Say to somebody six months from now, oh, you know, I'm cutting your wage because, you know, it's all calmed down. That ain't happening. And so I think it's, yeah, it puts us in a whole different kind of sphere, right, which well, is going to be very interesting to see how they deal with it. Well, I think in terms of wages, we still have a significant part of the population that's 10 years behind on raises. Yeah. i got a quick question for you. Uh, I know we're running over time here with everybody today, but it's okay. It's good stuff. Um, this railroad strike thing. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. But I, I happen to know a few people in the industry, a couple of them. Maybe you met the one guy who hangs around at Tripoli. I don't know if you, you met him the one night. I forget his name, but he, he calls me all the time. Uh, it's, what's, what's, it's too late in the confirmation, conversation for me to say, by the way, what's your name? <laughs> <laughs> I hate it when that happens. Okay? You know, it's a bad habit I got in the trading floor because every war they're bad. You don't have to remember anybody's name, right? The, uh, right. So anyway, this thing from day one has not been about wages. It's been about work rules. The, the, right. the railroads right. got together and wanted to wanted to fire half the people in the system ten years ago, and they got down to like fifty five percent left. They, they they have people on call seven twenty four seven. If you're at a yep. party on Saturday and they need you, if you don't show up twice, they fire you. This has nothing. Yep. And yet every every bumpkin that I see on, on the TV talks about God. These guys are going to get a twenty five percent raise over five years. What are they bitching about? Well, first of all, it's way right. less than inflation anyway. If you do the math, right. But, but first, right. thing, it's not about that. Why, doesn't anybody care? This whole attitude that it, as long as Matt Weber's got a $10 an hour job, he should shut up and just, just do it because he's got a job and he's okay in my book. Well, no. That's not the way the world works. <laughs> right? No. I mean, why, I mean it, am, I, am I right? This is all about work rules. Why can't anybody talk about it? But, well, they're going to have to talk about it because I do think I do think that this is going to turn into an issue. I think, the real, the, the, I think they're going to go on strike. I think they are really going to go on strike. I, I think the, I think oh. they want, they're going to go on strike. I think the railroads, 
uh, conspired to lower the amount of people that they work because they all got the same rules yep. at the same time. I think half of them should go to jail. They should be fine, just like the Sherman Act said they should be fine. And maybe we should set a new tone in this country. Right. Well, let's see how this unfolds, right? I mean, it's going to be a very interesting conversation over the next couple of days. Um, and I also think you should pay Matt Weber more than $10 an hour. Yeah, oh, yeah, I would it down. I don't want to go to his head. Hey, um, I will tell you this. I mean, I'll, t- uh, I'll bet you an adult beverage. Here's how it's going to unfold. Congress is going to is going to issue a, uh, a dictum that says, they, which they can do in railroads, they're going to say, this is your contract, you got to work. Right. I, well, I, I think they will, and then let's see what happens. Right. Well, they're not going to strike on that. I'm going to change. I'm going to change. I'm going to change jobs. Well, that's yeah. Well, whatever. Kenny, take care of yourself. Are you Boston or uh, or Florida for Thanksgiving? No, we're actually in upstate New York. We're going up to the mountains for Thanksgiving this Christmas. This uh, Thanksgiving, I'm very excited about it. Well, I bet you you get a jab over in Buffalo shoveling some snow. (laughs) I'm not going that far up. (laughs) (laughs) Take take care of yourself, bud. SP Peters up 15. (laughs) SP Peters down up 40. Be right back, Professor Helsner. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at cognoshr.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening here. Lord, we're back. Stocks and jocks. I'm Tamar, Mr. Weber on the board. SP Futures up 15 now. We're trying to get a little bit of a rally here for Turkey Week. And as their futures up 36, we're 
we're trying, but there's uh, there's some headwinds. Whenever we seem to go up, somebody's a somebody's a seller. But uh, I would like to see a little rally this week. We uh, had ourselves a little long, so a little rally be okay, Matty. Nothing wrong with making money for people, right? I, just, I don't just, hate uh, it. No, it's not a bad do. Uh, professor, what's up with you? How are you? Uh, doing well. Are just you? Uh, enjoying my in-laws' radiator heating system. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, I, w- I would love I've to never been, I've never lived in a radiator heating system ever in my life. And man, I, I was trying to do some research on it last night, and uh, I'm kind of thinking our system's all messed up. Um, is it, is it uh, steam or hot water? It's steam. Oh, yeah. Those, those but are... one of the radiators is filled with water, which is not supposed to be the case. Well, can't you drain it? Well, you can drain the whole system, but it's like 20 degrees at night. Oh. Well, uh, uh, steam, yeah. well, we have eight people living in here. A steam system is a one-pipe system, right? And a hot water is a two-pipe. Yeah, one-pipe. Yeah, one-pipe system, yeah. Well, I'm going to say that if, if I ever... Well, <laughs> who knows if I'm going to buy a nice big house again, but if I did buy a big house in Beverly or someplace, not Beverly Hills, Beverly in here, I, I, hot water systems, I love them. Nothing, nothing is more comfortable than a big old radiator system. I mean, uh, the hot water system, not the steam. Steam is weird. Yeah, the steam system, I mean, it's got to expel air so steam can fill. You want to do it so the steam fills all the radiators at the same time. Yeah. But then after the furnace turns off, the steam condenses and flows back to the boiler. And right. when it does all that stuff, it it leaves metal, wet metal exposed to oxygen. And you get all kinds of rust in there. And that you have to clean that often. Yeah. Otherwise, when it's venting, it can... You can get pieces of that rust stuck in the air vents of the vent valves. So I was like, "Wow!" I mean, it seems like it's a lot of maintenance. Well, plus the, the radiators are and, way and too person, hot, way too hot. And a person good at it, a person good at it, can make some serious dough in New York City. I had a uh, a, a system in Beverly in a house. It had a vacuum steam system. It couldn't have been. There were probably old houses in Hyde Park or someplace. There couldn't have been a hundred. Oh yeah. That, that was a two-pipe steam system. The thing would pulse. You could hear it. It was like it was alive. Would, would, would make a, vac- a vacuum steam system? Vacuum steam. Wow. Yeah, it was, uh, huh. the, th- the thing would actually pulse. Some steam would go up, and then it would... And, and the bottom, by the, by, the, by the furnace, or by the boiler, there was this big metal ball. It looked like a huge, you know, like a ball bearing, only like ten times bigger. And it sat in this... You know, like a, a big, like a bowl for it, and when the steam got too much down there, it would it would pop the, the ball up, and when you hear it, and some steam would come out, and that's how it would flow back down. It was the weirdest thing. It was very efficient, but <laughs> but but a hot water system is, is terrific. I mean, if it's done properly, because the, the radiators are never that hot. You know, so you, if you touch up against them, you don't burn yourself like a steam thing you would. But I, I love them. And if, if it flows. Well, it's just a heat exchanger that we use in the Navy in our in our nickel power plant. Well, so if, if your house hot is... Hot water flows in, uh, cold water flows out. Well, if, if it's stacked properly, if it's done if it's done just right, uh, the, hot, the hot water, you don't even need a pump. The hot water will will essentially just flow up because of convection. Yeah, natural circulation. They had uh, natural circulation reactors in the Navy, and they tested them at extreme angles, up and down angles that submarines would do. A lot of submarines, you know, they use these uh, natural flow systems, but they were trying to test them and see if they would work in more extreme angles. And they did that in Idaho at the National Engineering Lab. Really? I, uh, yeah, my my Navy buddies, uh, he, my Navy buddy Hank was uh, at 
at the S5G plant in INEL, and that's what they did. They did these extreme angles with these uh, natural flow systems that didn't need pumps at all. Well, if you, if you ever if you put an addition, like my second house in Beverly had a, a big addition, so it wouldn't naturally flow there. It's so needed a pump to send it that way. Yeah, yeah. But it, but it was fine. I mean, I talk about even heat. I mean, it's really nice. The only thing you have to do is you have to get a, a humidifier that's, you know, external to the system, but... But the, anyway, oh, I, to remove the humidity out of the out of the house. No, no they add add humidity to it. Oh, add humidity to it. Okay. Otherwise, huh. it'd be pretty dry. But uh, anywho, wow. What a uh, what do you? I uh, I keep asking everybody on uh, this this whole all these decisions that are getting made as we as we're going to try and regulate the bit. You know, the thing of it is, how is it? It's all based. It's it's exact same thing. Read. Go to, anybody wants to read. Read the story of the Bitcoin. Go to go to Wikipedia. Dial up Tulip, and, and read about the tulips. It's the exact same thing. First, first you have a something that everyone wants. They're paying for it. The price is going up. Then it's listed on an exchange. Duh. And all of a sudden, people start loaning you money to buy the tulips, and then it all comes flying down. It's it's always. Sometime after these things become marginable, because there's all this margin all over the place, when it comes down, nobody can pay it off, and, and bang, the thing's down. And where, where am I? I think the difference, between, the difference between Bitcoin and the other cryptos, I think, is that Bitcoin is truly decentralized. Yeah. And I think the people want it because that, that I mean, if you, if you remember the trucker uh, protest in Canada, uh, Trudeau was. Um, uh, locking out, locking people out of their crypto that was at places like Coinbase. Yeah. And when they, when, when he did that, I only have like 0.02 big, I don't have any, I'm, I basically have almost zero Bitcoin. But I had a little bit of Bitcoin, I just was playing around with it, see what happened with it. And I was buying $100 worth it every month. But, you know, with kids and triplets and job change, I stopped doing it. So when Pro did that, I moved my Bitcoin into a wallet okay on my phone because when you have it in cold storage on your phone or a USB drive there is nothing the federal government can do and the federal the federal reserve is going to roll out this uh, digital dollar but that digital dollar can be turned on and off by government government's going to be able to regulate yeah, you know, your, I don't, I don't want that. your actions your choices right with bitcoin it's completely decentralized I do not think that's the case with Ethereum or whatever it is that uh, FTX was well, uh, had some, uh, founded on, right? They had some uh, young, you know, sounds so bad coming from an older dude, but some young 25-year-old genius that knows it all the other day. And he, I, well, he knew was a, knows a hell of a lot more than this than I do, but he said that the only one standing is probably going to be Bitcoin. He said, oh, he's, all these tokens are worthless. They're just issued by somebody. That, well, they are. The tokens are just, uh, they're banknotes. They're ba- digital banknotes, basically, right? From a Midwestern bank that goes where the county goes into a, a depression, and those uh, banknotes are just worthless now, right? So that's what FTF, that's what uh, those tokens are. They're just banknotes that people use to speculate on. They're derivatives. Yeah, they're digital derivatives, right? Well, you know, it's, it's if you watch, uh, I'm not recommending anybody do this, but if if you go and watch, like, I don't know how many, you have to catch one. If you watch like ten Bonanza episodes, right? The, yeah. you, you'll find that the that the money they had was actually issued by the Virginia City Bank, right? 
Yeah. And but and then whenever one of the like somebody was going to San Francisco, they'd make sure they got gold pieces because the Virginia City banknotes weren't worth a squat in San Francisco. They're just only good in Virginia City. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when you travel, you had to, to convert it to gold. Yeah. If you watch the movie Holmes done with uh, Hilary Swank and uh, Tommy Lee Jones, one of my favorite Western movies. It was, it was really good. What's but it, what's him and Hillary have to take uh, these women who go nuts on the prairie of Kansas. And they have to take them to their family in Iowa. And she promises him money uh, to help her do this. And the money were these banknotes drawn on a, issued by a bank in their hometown of Kansas. But he's getting ready to p- play poker. And he's got his new suit. He bought him with these banknotes. He's going to get into the big game. He drops down his, he drops down his banknotes. And the guy running the, the game, or the finance guy running the game, he looks at the banknotes and, and he goes, these banknotes are, aren't any good because the bank failed. He had to get out of the, he had to get out of that game. Well, that that sucked. I mean, it's a really, it's a really good flick. I mean, it's really gritty, and and you feel like you're there, right? You feel like you're there, and it's just really excellent. One of my favorite movies of all time, westerns. Well, I mean, you can you can choose if it's raining out to walk outside and be surprised you get wet. <laughs> you you can choose you can choose to do that if you want, but but whenever this kind of stuff happens, it, it follows the exact same roadmap. It has for hundreds of years, right? Well, what I found interesting about this kid who's running it, did you hear about his mom? She's a law, a, a law professor at Stanford. So is the old man, she right? This article. Yeah, she writes this article about how we need to stop, you know, using blame and personal responsibility. And I'm thinking, ah, so that's where this kid learned that he there are no consequences to his actions. I think he learned that at home. That there are no when you are raised in a, in a in a household where everything you do is okay and there are no consequences, I mean that produces a guy like this guy who who fronted like he was some kind of altruist. And I love I love that video I shared on Twitter. Yeah, uh, I never heard of the guy before, but yeah, the, uh, Duff or something. He does this video on a podcast went viral on Twitter, and I had to share it. Terry Duff. And he met this guy, this kid, this MIT genius. He met him, this expert, right? He met him, and he goes, "You're not, you're not a billionaire. You're, you're worthless because you you front like you're this altruist, like you're going to give away all your money. Yet you're not giving it away. You're not giving away twenty billion dollars because right. you don't have it." And he looked him in the eye and he goes, "I bet I have more money on my, my in my pocket than you have in net wealth." And I just thought that was interesting because he could see right through this fraudster, whereas Gary Gensler couldn't. All these regulators, all these bureaucrats, all these politicians, they couldn't see through it. Maybe because he was buying them off with money that was deposited into his safekeeping, and he he squandered it on political protection. And sport, Matty, you're saying? And who who, uh, Hal's referring to is Terry Duffy. He's the CEO of CME Group. Okay, yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, I've never heard of him before. Well, I, 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 I saw I, I, this I, video on Twitter, and I'm like, I, I, oh, I, I like that. Yeah, it's gone viral now, but basically he met him, and uh, and and 
basically said, uh, I don't think, you know, you're, you claim to be worth $26 billion, but, and you're going to give it all away. I, I don't think you have any, I, I don't think you're worth anything. In fact, I bet the money I have in my pocket is worth more than your net wealth. And basically just challenged him. And he said, you, and he bet him. Yeah, he said, he bet him, and the kid walked away. Yeah, he basically he said, he'd lose the bet. He basically said, you, you, the way you're set up, you could lose 85 to 90% of your net wealth overnight. Yeah. And then sure enough, he did. <laughs> well, the, who, we had, uh, Who's the guy we had? Why is it Terry, the regulator, right? Well, Why the, isn't he the regulator? The, 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 well, we have these political appointments that are regulators. Well, um, Terry was a, he was the head of the Merck, and the guy who was the vice chairman, we had on the show a couple times, man. How was his name? Uh, I'll think of it. He came in the, he came in the office um, when we first started the show. Uh, and they were, to say that were, those two guys were like oil and water, I'm not a massive fan of Terry Duffy's. Um Got rid of the, even though he promised people he wouldn't, he got rid of the trading floor, and all they all they do is just keep ch- charging people more and more for quotes. That's, all, that's how they make money now. now. If, if yeah. you if you want to, if if uh, we have you know do future stuff here, every single person in our place, if we had a full array, it's three hundred fifty dollars a month just to get the quotes in the CME. That's all they do is raise the raise the price of the quotes and then they hand out dividends to their people. I mean, it, it's absolutely screwed up. But but you know every time. People, I, I saw this maybe more than most, uh, um, Hal, because I, I started on the CBOE you know, a long time ago. But there were people obviously there before me. And every time there's something new, somebody catches a wave, and, and, and there's, uh, I use the term, an angle. I mean, this kid was not a dummy. What he found yeah, when, oh, no, he wasn't, no. But I'm saying this, why the, I don't, this is why I don't want to listen or put much stock into these experts with these fancy degrees from these fancy schools because... They're human. They make mistakes. Well, but I mean, but you, what ends up happening is, is it's it's almost like the the Peter principle of wealth. I mean, I don't know if that's a, that well, you tell me if that's the right analogy. But I, this guy got his start. I mean, his, his dad or somebody got him money. Okay, but he noticed okay that the Bitcoin was always uh, bid higher in South Korea and Japan than it was offered in Europe. When it first started the trade, so he put together some sort of a of a clearing mechanism, where he had two clearing firms that allowed him to essentially clear stuff somewhat simultaneously, which is nothing more than arbitrage, correct? Yeah. And all of a sudden, the guy was. There were times that, on a legitimate basis, they were making a million bucks a day, which is real dull at, at that age. Well, now all of a sudden, you're bulletproof. I mean, I remember guys when I first came to the CBOE floor. The, the, the options expire at two o'clock, and the stocks the stock could keep trading until three. You know, I mean, how, how, how ignorant is that? Well, guys would tell me that IBM would be two twenty at twelve o'clock, and the, and the two thirty calls would be two fifty bid or something. So finally, somebody decided when when they started getting these models together, they said these things are like way too high that that you know nobody could go short them, and, and they found a way where they became a market maker and they'd short these things every expiration. And all of a sudden, some of these guys made so much dough, and they're all they're all in their twenties. Some are a little older. Now, all of a sudden, you're a kid in 1970, long before my time, in 1978, and guess what? You got you just made a quarter million dollars when, when, when an apartment rent is four hundred and a car is three grand or five, you know, four grand. Talk talk about and then and you didn't pay any taxes on it because you could manipulate your account the way you, you delayed the taxes to the next year. You imagine making a quarter million dollars in 1978 paying no taxes? 
when you're well, 25 years old? four or five million a day, right? Yeah. I mean, and so, I mean, okay. but then all of a sudden, these guys get bigger and bigger, and all of a sudden, they're, they're, they, they, they're premium sellers all over the place. And all of a sudden, one day, something happens, two, three signs get taken over, and they're broke. One of my, well, I won't say he's my best friend, but he's a good buddy, and he worked, He two guys worked for a dude, and I won't say the name. He was a, uh, he was a uh, vice chairman of the place for a while. Get a load, get a load of this. The dude had a wife who supposedly was a Texaco heiress, right? So, who the hell knows if she ever gave him any dough or whatever? But the guy, the guy's head was so big that the, the joke on the incorrect trading trading floor was, which would you rather have, a million bucks or his fed head filled with quarters? <laughs> <laughs> Not politically correct, was it, Betty? Uh, just, just saying. Oh. <laughs> anyway, these guys had a, had an idea that the, the the not just because of the, the models, okay, but the models. You know, I, I was I never thought that that uh, that you know that, that there was mispricing in the option stuff for more than like a little bit, but the uh, there, there could actually in those days there could have been a little bit, but their story was that everything the the, the people who were able to short stuff. Were the, were the smart people and the people who bought stuff, you basically bought hope and you sold value type of thing. So they had position limit in individual stocks in those days was only 2,000 contracts on one side of the market or the other. So you if you, you could only be, if you were long put, short call, you could only do 1,000 of each. Because right? that gets you 2,000 on the same side of the market. But you could be short 2,000 calls and 2,000 puts. And there were probably 130 stocks on the CBOE floor and then, you know, other stocks on other floors. There were a bunch on the Amex, some on the Pecos. So this guy put together a group. One guy, my buddy, was in Philadelphia for a while. They sold 2,000 calls and puts, every single stock that they could find, any kind of, any, whether it was, whatever it was. And they made made so much money for so long, The uh, we get down to a 16th, we get marked at a 16th, which is, you know, 6 and a quarter, 6.25 per option. They would have, on an expiration Monday, they would have something like 80,000 teenies, you call them, come off your sheets. But it's 80,000 times 625. So they would have a half a million dollar day on, on the Monday after expiration, if nothing. But all of a sudden, there was like three or four takeovers in one month, and they went from having 25 million on their balance sheet or on their, on their trading account to like minus two. I mean, people, you, you overstay your welcome, and you, and you all of a sudden... This kid could have just stopped and retired, and said, "Okay, the game's gone. I'll just I'll still be a player, but not to that extent." But no, you, you keep going. You, it's almost like the Peter Principle of something. You keep pushing and pushing. Well, I think I think what happens when you get in a situation like that, and you're the new wonder kind. Uh, what ends up happening is you there's this moral hazard. Yeah, and you also probably gain this god complex. Like you know, the problem with gods, humans who think they're god, is they cannot do wrong. Right, so you, you you have all these people wanting to get in on your action because you're this this kid, and as Metallica says, your luck runs out. Right, eventually everybody's luck runs out because the probability of this happening and this happening and this happening when you when you when you're ending the probabilities, ending the events, you're multiplying probabilities that are close to zero, and eventually that luck runs out. And with this guy, uh, I mean, he was heavily in debt, and I think that wave you're talking about, that wave you're talking about, that's the wave created by the Fed. The wave, the Fed just pumped all kinds of money to the system. Yeah, oh yeah. Credit was cheap, and when credit's cheap, 
you can finance your losses as long as that's credit cheap. And I think Elon was doing that at his factories. This guy was papering over his his uh, ex- uh, expenses. But when that when the Fed starts raising those interest rates, that wave disappears, and now you have all these people pulling money out, and you don't have any money because you're leveraged. You you set it out. Well, he wasn't. Right? You don't have. He wasn't you don't have, you, you don't have 100% reserves. He's got, you he's, have maybe, uh, wait, 1% of reserves. Well, I'm not sure what his reserves well, hell, are, but he doesn't have reserves to pay all these deposits back. Well, hell, imagine if you were, if, 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 we're, if you were here over here at PTI with us. And there's only one stock. Say there's, the only stock is Disney, because they've been in the news. And, and we've made all our money by, by buying and selling Disney. We were market makers in there. We made a fortune. Now we've got a whole bunch of customers, even though we're supposed to be an exchange, which is a real problem to start with. Now all of a sudden the customers are buying, we keep telling them, buy more Disney, buy more Disney. They're buying it to an extent where we're loaning them money to buy even more Disney. And by the way, all our wealth is in Disney. So we're all all tied up in the same same bushel of corn, right? And all of a sudden Disney starts to go down. Well, we're going to start lending more because we want people to buy even more because it doesn't go down. And oh, by the way, we're going to start buying more ourselves. And all of a sudden, one day it just goes down. Guess what? The whole balloon is just down. Yeah, and that's what apparently happened. apparently the accounting was horrible too. Oh, this is the question nobody has asked that I've seen. Nobody's asked this question: Did this kid and his girlfriend take people's money and buy Bitcoin? And that Bitcoin is in cold storage some, somewhere. I think they bought it to keep the price up. Now, where it is, I don't know. It, it's on some cold storage USB drive somewhere, maybe in the Cayman Islands. Well, that could Buried be. Buried under the sand, right? Oh, that could be. And I, I, I'm just wondering where they must, they, they had to pull a whole boatload of cash out just for these sports deals. Yeah. Man, it was the total oh, on the man, sports yeah. deals, like half a bill? What was it Miami's basketball stadium named? Uh, After this company? yeah, that was one hundred and that one hundred and twenty, maybe. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, and Major League Baseball was one hundred and ninety over five years, right? And how much did they give the? Cap- what those? Uh, what if those organizations, the politicians, have to pay back all that money? What well, I'm going to say, Maddie, if it's a five year deal, you probably only paid the first year, right? Right. Yeah. Do you have to give? Do you, I mean, I, I assume that that contract is voided, think, right? I don't think so. Well, the contract is, but I, you keep you keep the check you got. I'm sure. I would assume so. Well, what do they pay for uh, the Cal Bears Stadium? If they, they I mean, rates to that too, right? I didn't even know they had that one. Yeah, the Cal Bears football stadium, and uh, but there's a lot of individual basketball players, isn't uh, Curry? Um, Tom of, Brady, Giselle. Yeah, well, they, they but they did commercials. Sporting. They did commercials, but some basketball players, I think, were yeah. getting paid in Bitcoin, weren't they, Matt? For sponsorships, maybe, yeah. But here, here's the. Uh, the key question. Well, that's, that's a great deal. Issue yeah. issue this fake money called a token. Yeah. And then uh, you can use that to compensate somebody for using your name likeness. <laughs> well, issuing the issue issuing oh, a token is no, no different than having a no no different having a stock that's worthless. We've we've how many times we've we seen yeah. that. And they're all regulated. Right? Yeah. I, I'm a, I'm a, well the problem is the regulators, right? Uh, you know, if Duffy can spot this guy from Ten miles away, and people like Gary Gensler can't, and they're 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 caught up in this stuff. Former President hey. Clinton's caught up in it. Hey, uh, don't, don't Gary, or the former UK Prime Minister uh, Bush's pal, if they're all caught up, if they're all I mean, regulars are caught up by this guy, they did, bought in. Did you? But a guy like Duffy sees this guy from ten miles away and says, "Oh, you're full of crap." The uh, I did, think we need to change the regulator if we're going to have a regulator. Well, well Duffy, Duffy's 
CME had listed it like a couple of times. It's still listed, isn't it? Bitcoin is, not FTA. We, we got to dash off the break here. Uh, we have a couple more questions. SP Futures up 13, NASDAQ Futures up 29. Be right back, Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with their choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. 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 Right uh, Saudi Arabia beat Argentina in like the it's like it was like David beating Goliath, eh? Yeah, apparently. I know Argentina was one of the favorites to win the whole thing. Well, they still can, but boy, it's a it's it's the the percentages of, of winning it all when you lose the first game in your in the group stages are like they go down like significantly. Well, there's there's four in the group and two move on, right? Right. SP futures up thirteen seventy five. Nasdaq futures up twenty eight. Maybe we're gonna get a little bit of a Thanksgiving week rally. We could sure use one. Now futures up 117 over in Europe. 
We've got the DAX now up 19.1%, FTSE up 48.7, uh, and CAC round up, uh, up 1, call that flat. In Asia, Nikkei up 170, up 0.6%, Shanghai up 3, uh, 0.1%, uh, uh, yeah, 0.1%. Hang Seng down 31, it's 1.3%. Hang Seng now is, I'm, I'm kind of curious, maybe, maybe you got an opinion on it. Well, how come all the stuff with the COVID doesn't seem to reflect in Shanghai? It always reflects in Hong Kong. Is it? The Shanghai must be more rigged or something, because I mean, Hong Kong, uh, Hong Kong was down over two percent at one point, and they must basically uh, tell a whole city to go home and stay in your apartment. Yesterday, the uh, Dow was down forty-nine point one percent, S and P up down fifteen point four percent, Nasdaq, however, was down over one point, like I say, one point one down one hundred twenty-one. Nasdaq had a bad day. Uh, bonds. Uh, down two basis points, 3.8. The bun down three basis points, 2.01, still above two. Japan unchanged at 0.24. Oil rallying today up a duck, up a dollar 36, that's 1.7%, 81.40. Brand up a buck 53, 88.98. Natural gas down 15 cents, 662. Our buck 6 cents, 250. But banging right around this, 245 to 260. As gas prices continue to leak, leak south, at least around here they do. And the burbs they do is sitting down so much. Gold up five ninety, seventeen forty five, silver up twenty nine cents, twenty one seventeen, copper up nine cents, three sixty six. We've got uh, Bitcoin that was actually up, up over sixteen thousand was rallying, up two thirty nine, it was down, it was sixteen fifteen four when we came in, so it's a pretty good rally. And the US dollar is uh is down both against the Euro, which is now one point zero three, and the British pound, which is one point one eight. So maybe half a percent moves there. These half half a percent and one percent moves every day in the currencies is really unusual. Anyway, we got for us, Trevi Weather Sports. Coming up on 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. Uh, pretty light traffic this morning on a holiday week. A lot of folks uh, off work or off school or both. Uh, so we're not seeing significant delays uh, on any of the air expressways. It looks like the slowest moving expressways for those heading out to O'Hare, uh, the uh, outbound Kennedy, uh, we're seeing some high volumes there, but no accidents to report. Earlier crash on the Ryan on the outbound side just before the I-57 Bishop Ford merger. That crash has been cleared, and now the Ryan's looking good as well. So nice and quiet out there. Uh, if you're heading uh, anywhere this morning. Weather today, lots of sunshine, mild temperatures, a high of 50. Right now it's crystal clear and 32 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, partly cloudy skies with a high of 73 today. Right now it's clear and 49. In sports, the Bulls beat the Celtics last night, 121-107. Boston had won nine in a row heading into that game, so a nice win by the Bulls. Blackhawks were off. They're in Dallas tomorrow night. Coyotes played. They lost to the Predators 4-3. In World Cup soccer, the U.S. blew a one-goal lead and gave up a penalty in the second half and ended up tying Wales 1-1 in their first match of the tournament. Uh, they'll play England on Friday. In football, the Bears announced Justin Fields is day-to-day with a left shoulder injury. Uh, a lot of folks are saying he may miss the next few games, but uh, the coaching staff not willing to commit to that this early in the week, so I guess we'll wait and see. Uh, Trevor Simeon, former Northwestern quarterback, is the Bears' backup. Monday Night Football last night, uh, it was played down in Mexico, and it was the 49ers blowing out the Arizona Cardinals 38-10. to Chief. I think we should put them back in there and run them the first five plays. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty mind-boggling um, when you could see that in that last series he was really hurt, uh, and then they called a QB running play, and <laughs> like, what in the world is going on? Uh, that was that was a that was a shocker. My uh, real quick before we get back to important news, uh, 
my uh, my cousin, uh, he's still alive, but he's, he's a, he was a freshman when Johnny Kerr was a senior. Tilden Tech, Matty. Talking about a long time ago. And he ended up with a, a football ride to University of Colorado. And he played halfback and he ran track out there. And he, was, he went both ways. Uh, uh, played cornerback uh, as well. And he actually scored a game-winning touchdown, picking up a fumble as a quarter, as a cornerback uh, in his first game. Uh, anyway, but he said, you know, he got out and he was a 9-7 guy in a 100-yard dash. And I think he did 100 yards in those days, not meters. And he said he was just, he's not a real big guy. But after the after college, he had he was an ROTC, so he had to spend two years in the military in upstate New York, of all places. And uh, and so when he went back, he tried to get on an NFL team, and he said he was he'd gone from you know nine seven to nine eight five, which wouldn't you wouldn't think it would be that big of a deal. He said, but the guys you're playing against are really good. And he said he started. We went to tryouts. He was in practice and you know doing scrimmaging. He said the guy I just was able to get around. And not get hit at nine seven. All of a sudden, these guys are nailing me. <laughs> and when they nail you, they nail you hard. <laughs> they, they, they nail you, they nail you hard. He goes, "I didn't realize that I was just just quick enough to avoid all that. Now I was just not quick enough to not avoid all that." And you could see that uh, as soon as this guy on Sunday, I'm watching it. And I'm, I'm just a dumbo watching the game. And I, I'm sitting there going, "Wait a minute, this guy's leg is bothering him a little bit. I hope they're not going to run him." Sure enough, the guy runs, and he took. I'm going to say two or three of the hardest hits I've ever seen the kid take. That's how he hurt his shoulder. You you can't let somebody run when they're hurt because guys just bury you. It's like when Dick Butkus, his last few years, whenever he knew he had a bad knee, they killed the guy. As big and tough as he was, there's all kinds of other guys on the other team. They're just as big and as tough. They couldn't wait to get a shot at him when he couldn't move. Yep. It was clear as day. I, yeah. I was with you. I was saying the same thing. And you could tell he couldn't he couldn't move, and when he did move, he wasn't as as, as electric as he normally is. And uh, he was getting caught, and he was taking punishment. And then, of course, that leads to the shoulder injury. Yep. And now it's almost like you know, do you shut him down for the <laughs> for the rest of the year, knowing that uh, the team isn't going anywhere? Well, there you the, after the game, the guys were Hilgi uh, and those guys were about as brutal. <laughs> They, they basically said they need like ten or twelve ball players. I mean, they've got one hundred and forty-five million in salary cap. They're sitting at. Yep. I mean, he goes on defense. We need a three technique guy. We haven't we haven't replaced Hicks. We need a, we need a uh, rush end. We haven't replaced Quinn. Because the secondary is pretty good. He goes on the offense. He goes every one of those offensive linemen is replaceable. There isn't a guy there that's any good except maybe Whitehead is okay. Uh, you know, because we, we we need like ten people. I mean, I guess I you, agree. I guess you can draft three or four, but. Uh, I don't know. Can you get six or seven free agents? I haven't seen anything out of Chase Claypool either in three games. Now, the you know, it's going to take a while to get acclimated to the offense. I get that, but uh, you know, if they haven't gone deep to him at all, um, and he's he's sort of the big possession receiver that they wanted. I mean, they they haven't thrown any sort of you know kind of go and get it like jump ball type passes to him. It's like you gave up a second round pick for him. Now again, it's like I said, it's only been three weeks, but. A little surprising there. I think they need a receiver. I think they need th- at least three offensive linemen. Uh, they're going to have to make a decision at running back because uh, you're going to have to either pay Montgomery or Khalil Herbert becomes your number one, and then you'll probably have to draft an- another guy to be a backup. I think Herbert's better than Montgomery right now. I think he is too. Uh, and then on the defensive side, the entire front seven is replaceable. Yeah. The secondary I like. Uh, they're, they're young, but I like You can him. keep the kid from Wisconsin. I like him. I think he's looked good so far. But the, the entire front seven on defense is replaceable. So the, by my count, 
you know, you at least need eight guys, and you could, and I'd be fine if you did twelve or fifteen new guys. Well, they're, they're playing teams where there isn't like a guy in their team, except for a couple of guys in the defensive secondary who would start for the other team. Yeah, but but they were very upfront about this. You talked about how much cap space they have. They were like, "This is not the year," and uh, and so they were like, "We're not going to do any bad contracts. We're going to stockpile draft picks." And uh, and then this coming off season, heading into the twenty three season, that's the year where they go. Plus all the, in. the great feeling so we'll of sliding that cash in your pocket. Yes, we'll see what they do. It's the uh, anywho. So, um, <laughs> it's it, it is the business of sports is fun, isn't it? I, I I'm really curious as how this college stuff's going to play out. I mean, I, uh, I mean, I've, I see the, the landmines in the whole way there, and I, with the taxing, and but you know, it, it's Maddie. I know. Uh, Hal, bear with me for a second. As you know, I'd probably add nauseam to Matty because he's with me so long. I try and dig into this detail because if if you can't explain the detail, there's always a problem. You know, I mean, the, the, like the, the the FTX situation. I'd say to myself, "Okay, wait a minute. How do these guys? Where are they getting the money to lend people all this dough to buy these bitcoins? They can't go to a bank. The thing is not regulated by the Fed, where they're saying fifty cents a number. Where are they getting the money?" There's always, there's always some sort of a same thing with the with the uh, with the with the this college football. If I want to pony up to bring some kid in from to play at Notre Dame, I guess I can hire him in PTI, or we could hire him on stocks and jacks, man. He'd be in there one day a week, and we could pay the kid hundred grand a year if we had the hundred grand. Um, th- that's one way of doing it, but then that leaves all kinds of now. What exactly is that? If we put this group together, is it a charity? If somebody contributes. Do they get to deduct it? They may think they're giving the money to Notre Dame, but they're not. I don't know that that is deductible. If it isn't, then what do I get? Is it my part of a partnership? Is it a C-Corp? Do I get shares? Um, is the school going to pay us back for the use of this kid so we can have some income, or is it just a charitable expense? Or not even a charitable expense. He's an employee. When I when I can't, I can't get my hands around the setup, it always makes me very nervous. And I know, to me, I know to you that probably makes me boring, but... I don't know how this is going to play out. There's people thinking they're going to deduct that check. I don't think you can. And there's these kids thinking this is like tuition. I don't have to pay taxes. I, I think they do. I mean, where am I, where am I wrong here, Hal? I mean, whenever you can't explain what's going on, there's always a problem to me. Well, I think what's happening in college football, by the way, shout out to the Iranian yeah. uh, football team. Not singing their national anthem in solidarity, protesting the Iranian uh, religious dictatorship. I mean, that was that was awesome seeing those guys do that, man. So whether they whether they lose six two, in my opinion, they're winners. I mean, if, can you imagine the the pressure their families are under right now what if, in Iran? What did Far used to say, Matty, oh. that eighty percent of the people there want those guys out of there, but are afraid to say anything? Yep. It's the most unpopular. Oh, yeah. It's got to so, be the most unpopular regime in the world, except maybe the guy in Venezuela. Yeah, so shout out to those guys, man. I found that they are the heroes of the World Cup, in my opinion. Them doing that, what they did, right? With respect to the the money in football, I think what the moves that the NCAA has done is they've kind of just bring it, they just made it kind of legal. Because this stuff was going on. When SMU got uh, the death penalty back in the 80s, I guarantee you every school in the big eight the former Big Eight, was probably doing that stuff. But SMU did it so blatantly because they went from nothing to number one ranked team, right? So the NCAA, NCAA is going to protect its traditional 
powerhouses, and it just pummeled SMU. But it did nothing to the other schools in the Big Eight. I mean, you read Brian Bosper's book. I mean, it's pretty obvious that it was probably going on in all the major. You know, I mean, it was going on at USC. It was going on everywhere. USC had a program. They might still have it, but I think this is kind of like a, an artifact of the fact that stuff was going on at USC to have such good football teams. Well, when, when the guy left, and they, they got but, the they got the original. Nobody believes me when I say this. Maybe heard it a couple times. He's bored, but the uh, what, was, what was the guy who wanted to become the Tampa coach? Was it McKay? Maybe? Yeah, McKay. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. When he left, McKay. USC got the the total death penalty, which you will never give to anybody anymore. They couldn't even be on national TV for a year. They couldn't be. On, I don't think they couldn't be on. They definitely couldn't be on national TV. Uh, they couldn't be on TV because I remember going to. They were playing here in South Bend, and I went to the game. There was no TV. The game was over. <laughs> the game was over with halftime at like two wow. hours and twenty minutes. There wasn't a commercial. It was. It was, um, it was great, but but there was actually a game when when there was no halftime. I mean, there was a halftime, but there was no commercials. And uh, I don't think you could do that to anybody. But SMU, didn't uh, the players start bitching that some guys weren't getting paid enough and some guys were? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Didn't it come yeah. from internal? That, that, that kind of stuff was going on at these major football programs, right? Yeah. So I think what this is doing is just making it come to light. It's just allowing it to happen instead of, you know, making it against the rules. It's just... Make it, kind of making it legal, right? Well, it, so you it, get rid of the criminals when you make it legal. Well, I, I I don't have any problem with the school paying kids. I'm not I'm not I'm not really big on how this third party paying paying system is going to work its way through. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I don't know how that, I don't know how it's going to work, right? I mean, I, I guess the 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 kids got to pay uh, an income tax on his nil, right? Well, he's got to pay um, social security. I mean, he's got to pay an income tax on it. He's got to pay social he's security. He's got to pay an income tax on his. Scholarship, like you said, I would I would suspect, right? Well, I don't know, but yeah, but I mean, you're if if you, I always actually want to get more ask you about the Bitcoin a little bit more, but it, people don't when you get I don't know why I always criticize these guys, why because they're buffoons. That's why some of them they talk about we need to even out the tax code how nobody how all these people aren't paying income taxes. Well, they aren't, but they're still paying uh, payroll taxes, which are almost as big as income taxes countrywide. You know, you know, it's not, if, you, if you give a guy, I mean, if, if you're if you're just no, now that you're in New York, um, if a guy comes by and shovels your snow, and, and you get and you give him twenty bucks a snowstorm, and he does it thirty times, if you want to deduct that at your building, you got to give the guy ten ninety nine, and he's going to owe ninety bucks. It's fifteen percent right off top if it's if it's a uh, a ten ninety nine because it's the the Social Security for an individual person plus was it uh, what's the other one. It's not uh, unemployment, whatever the other one is. It comes up to fifteen percent. I mean, there's so I mean, uh, these guys are have to pay that too, right? Even in addition to the regular income tax, because I mean, uh, cause yeah. So I, I think the the system is so convoluted and complex. To me, it, it should just be made easier. It should, should just be made easier. Everybody pays the same percentage. They engage in a monetary transaction. Um, and they just pay uh, a really small percentage. Don't need income tax. Don't need social security tax. Don't need any of that stuff. You, you engage in a transaction. You got to pay a very small percentage of it, and you make it simple. You make it easy to comply with. And if if, if it's easy to comply with, I think people will do it. If it's done electronically, I think it could be automated. Everybody's in compliance. There's no criminals. I think you just make it really transparent. Make it fair. 
treat every transaction equally under the law, and you ha- you get rid of a lot of those shenanigans. Well, because treat- right now, the people who are the richest, the wealthiest, they can afford the lawyers to go around those speed bumps. Well, all right. One, my uh, my uh, Bitcoin question for you is: we, I think we've come to some sort of an agreement as to why it's invented in the first place. I mean, people essentially want an alternative payment system because they don't trust countries and their fiat currency and the way they manipulated and the way the dollar that's where the value is right okay, that's where the value is right so so how if you and i were going to do that i think we would base it somehow on something that has some value and we would have a, a you know the blockchain sure looks pretty good to me from what i hear from guys like kevin and all this crap uh that's maybe that's a great way to do it but how, how did it get from there with with no value it's not worth a a cup of oil it's not worth a a shred of gold or silver or whatever it is, a bushel of soybeans, whatever it happens to be. How did it go from there being no value, but something we could use to to do to do business and create transactions, which I think we actually could use? How did it get from there to like an artificial stock that just traded every day like a stock with no value? How, how did it get from A to B? Well, I, well, I think I think this idea of value is subjective, and it, it points to the problem with Adam Smith and Marx's use of Adam Smith. Uh, value of labor theory. The labor doesn't provide any value to the product. You build the product because somebody values it. You don't. You don't. You don't. Uh, the labor that goes into finding the, the pearl in the oyster that doesn't give it value. The fact that you jump in the ocean to find that pearl in that oyster, you're doing that because you can sell it because somebody values it. So I, I think this idea of uh, value is subjective, and people value Bitcoin because there's only so much of it. It can't be printed. You can't make more of it. If you lose your keys, you lose your coin. So it can't be it can't be artificially printed like the Fed is doing, right? Pumping up these these speculative bubbles. It can't be printed, and it can't be tracked. Well, it can be tracked. So it, totally I mean, it can, can but it's very it's very difficult to track it. If it's in cold storage, you can bury that Bitcoin in your backyard. Right, but you know, don't we, forget the keys. You know, every single keys, it's worthless, right? So but, it actually decreases in quantity over time because people will forget their keys. See, I, I, I don't, I don't know why I'm such, I'm such a south side knucklehead. I, I don't, I don't believe that there's only going to be a certain amount, and I, I don't, I don't believe if something isn't touched for ten years, that somebody's not going to find a way to get into it. Yeah, that that. Yeah, you know, I haven't really thought about that too much, but apparently there's only 20 million coins out there, and the more they mine these remaining coins, the more expensive it gets. Yeah. So, I mean, as those, and you know, the funny thing about Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin miners is some of these natural gas wells are uh, can't be the, the natural gas uh, can't be like capped. It can't be like the valve turned off. And so they were burning the natural gas in the atmosphere because they're not unable unable to sell it or distribute it or something. You know, what Bitcoin miners are doing. They're putting a natural gas electric generator on those uncappable natural gas uh, uh, mines that can't be turned off, and they're using it to power their computers to mine this coin. So you are right, Tom. If the cost of mining Bitcoin all of a sudden starts dropping like a rock, somebody's found a way to create Bitcoin from this algorithm. But as long as that price goes up and up and up, 
and gets more and more expensive to get that last fraction of that Bitcoin, you know that it's capped at twenty one million. But, but the more that the more that it's it becomes an artificial stack, the less it becomes useless useful as a currency. Because you can't. Well, I don't think so because it's infinitely divisible. I know, but you can't. Right? That's a good. That's a good characteristic. Money is divisible. A horse is not divisible. You can't cut the leg off and say, "Hey, can you take a eighth of a horse for those potatoes?" You can't do that, right? But with Bitcoin, it can get. Well, if it was based it can on be divided up infinite many times. If somebody had, a, you know, a, a billion barrels of oil in storage somewhere, and every Bitcoin was worth a, a quart, then it would have some value. There would be a delivery system of. If everyone got wrong, you could shuffle a hundred Bitcoins and get a hundred quarts. I mean, well, that, that's that, where I think that's where we're going wrong here because Bitcoin has value because uh, money, these fiat currencies, are losing value because these countries all throughout the United uh, uh, throughout the world, their their central bankers are just printing money left and right. I, that's I, why I, these all these uh, cryptocurrencies popped up. But I think the only one that's going to be left standing is Bitcoin because it's different. It's a different kind of cryptocurrency. See, I, I'm, I'm totally. Right? A- Totally the other opposite, ones are totally the other opposite ones opinion. Like Ethereum, I don't think they're true cryptos. Well, the, the, to, the totally opposite opinion because the. I, by the way, I'm 100 percent agreement with the fact that the way our central banks have been dealing with the dollar, I mean, we've 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 totally denutted our currency over the last 25 years. I mean, it's. Oh, I mean, look it, at the price of a brand new vehicle, man. Well, look at my mother-in-law was saying that his contractor, her contractor, she just go buy a new truck if it keeps breaking down. I go, Mom, do you know how much she hasn't bought it. A new car in twenty years. Yeah, you know how much a new car costs, or a new like, pickup truck, or a used pickup truck like that has miles on it? It's like fifty. We're talking grand. over fifty k. Yeah, well, but I, I just go out and buy a brand new truck. But the idea of a hospital stay or something, which actually you have to do more than more than you need a truck if you get sick. It's it's yeah. Well, what I'm saying is the the idea, the part that I'm having, I, w- I would give you a, a C paper on this one is. Because people are are destroying the value of the fiat currencies, which started out with value, the solution isn't something else that has no value. It would be something well, that... The, but, but the value, there, there could be value. Like, when I look at a, a painting, I don't look at it the same way that an art connoisseur does. When I drink a glass of wine, I can't differentiate between... Red or even white. I don't know the difference. Well, I, I, well, I know the color is different. I'd, I'd be happy to but do there that. There are people that can differentiate wines, Merlots. They can tell you what where the where the grape was grown. They're I, that I, good at it, I right? Would, with but, art, I I don't know what to look for. Okay, but I, so all I, this stuff is subjective, right? I know, but I would have with Bitcoin. I, but at least if I had twenty Moniers and then a couple other guys, I don't even know who the artists are, stuck in a building, and the and the Bitcoin was a tenth of a. Of, of, of one zillionth of the value of the art in the building. At least, at least you have a floor. Yeah, but you 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 may have bought, purchased a fake Monet. <laughs> I could have. I would know. <laughs> I would have. I would have no idea. You know. You know. You know, <laughs> you know what? Well, we I don't even know if it's a print. You know, I can't tell if it's in a print and the actual thing, man. You know what we need to do, Maddie? We need to go to these, uh, like the Kane County Fairgrounds, and buy a bunch of of, of paintings. Then, like, take the top painting off and hope there's like a Monet be- beneath it or something. <laughs> <laughs> you remember Ferris Bueller at yeah. the art museum? Yeah, well, they're yeah. kind of leaning back with one foot back, and they got their hand up on their chin, and they're looking at the art. <laughs> so, are you guys going to be happy with the New York uh, Thanksgiving instead of being Utah? Well, I think we are. My mother-in-law's got a big dinner plan. She's got a ham. She's got a turkey. I'm going to make my uh, yank, my candy jams. I'm going to make my stuffing. 
Good for you. Uh, so we got, and she's gonna make a lasagna too. So we got it all planned out. When she makes a turkey and her ham, she hastens it up with all kinds of cool spices and herbs. Man, it's, it, it, I can't wait. You know what? Make a list of the spices and send them to me. I bet that sounds good. Oh yeah, her hamburgers, man. Her hamburgers. I don't know if she puts in the hamburgers, but she puts all kinds of herbs and well, spices it's, in it's, it. Instead of, I'm like, mom, you need to open up a hamburger joint. Instead of so. teasing us, why don't you find out what they are and let us know? <laughs> I love the cook. Uh, well, I've always wanted to try something. Okay, it's like a Monet. I don't know what. I don't. I, I can't tell what's good what. or not. Why don't you sit there, take a hard, look, and say, dude. "What's this one?" Note, write the notes down and send us a, send us a list. Hell, take care of yourself. SPV is up nineteen. The SPV is up forty four. <laughs> always good. Uh, back to Miles, stocks and jacks. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. 